Hey everyone, welcome back to Her Story and Informal History with your host, Lil Shano. Today I am snuggled up with the kitties. They've decided to join me. Hopefully they don't decide to say anything because that will be an unwanted distraction. Anyway, so uh, the topic of today's episode is Judy Garland, the OG girl next door. Um, Judy is probably one of the most iconic women of the golden age of Hollywood. Um, And she is our subject today. And I'm so excited to be talking about her uh, the last few days. All I have done is watch videos about Judy Garland on YouTube, read about Judy Garland on dozens of different websites, um, reading about Judy Garland's five husbands and her children, and watching interviews with people who knew her. It's just, I've really immersed myself in Judy, okay? Uh, So... Um, so get excited for that. Um, I am very excited to share with you the story about Judy Garland because I'm, um, I'm actually going to bring it back to a lot of, um, issues that a lot of people, like a lot of normal non-celebrity people have. Um, it is a pretty serious story. Um, it's not as fun as you want it to be, but it's still amazing because Judy was amazing. So, um, well, without further ado, let's just get started. Um, because I, I really can't tell you how many times I watched The Wizard of Oz when I was a child. Um, it was one of those movies that I definitely ruined for my parents, um, because of how I watched it over and over and over. Um, I watched that and I watched Mary Poppins over and over and over again. Um, and I was so wild about both those movies. Um, I would just beg to watch them like a million times in a row. And that probably explains a lot, (laughs) but, um, I was the kind of kid that like, I didn't notice like old timey special effects or uh, animation and I didn't see it as lame or uncool, which a lot of kids at school did. Um, Does that make any sense? Anyway, so I caught a lot of hell for being into that nerd shit, (laughs) but I don't care. So um, I remember I was extremely horrified when I was watching it one day and my dad told me that Judy Garland had died. I was like, she died? This beautiful little girl singing to me in this beautiful contralto voice? She was dead? Yes, actually, she passed away on June 22nd, 1969, which is actually my birthday (laughs) um, at the age of 47. It's not about me, even though that is my birthday. Um, But this is actually a really sad story, like I mentioned earlier. Very sad, very tragic. It's actually a story of addiction and mental health issues and the objectification of young girls starting at a very young age in old Hollywood, leading up to what we have today. So, um, I am very passionate about those subjects, especially that last one. So, um, I will be touching on that um, in this episode of the podcast. Um, All right. Let's officially dive in. So, Judy was actually born Francis Ethel Gum, or rather Ethel Gum, Francis Ethel Gum, on June 10th, 1922. 
and she was the child of two vaudevillian actors in Grand Rapids, Minnesota, who moved there to open up a movie theater. When her mother discovered that she was pregnant with her third child, which was Judy, they asked one of their neighbors to give her an abortion because they were afraid they would not be able to afford another child. Um, their neighbors refused, and so then they attempted to force a miscarriage several times. However, nothing prevailed, and uh, Frances Ethel was born to Frances and Ethel. Yes, those are her parents' names. Um as the youngest of three girls. So kind of let's like back up a little bit. What is vaudeville? So hint. Think Groucho March. Oh my God. Think Groucho Marx or Charlie Chaplin. Uh, you hear the name thrown around a little bit like vaudevillian, 20th century entertainment, yada, yada, yada. But what is it? So actually, originally, vaudeville was a genre of comedy that focused around a dramatic or ironic situation uh, without any real like physical violence or contact or any form of dirty or immoral humor at all. Um, what it became in America was a satirical form of theater, even though it was something a little bit different in France where it came from. Um, but... It was largely and culturally spearheaded in the United States by Irish-American immigrants, um, as they were some of the earliest waves of European immigrants. Basically, they made fun of themselves on stage about their ethnic quirks, and they were steadfastly followed by other othered groups, uh, the Jews, Chinese, the Italians, um, and they all kind of made their own versions of vaudeville but it was like all encapsulated in that one genre so that's pretty cool too um so judy's mother noticed very quickly when judy was a child that she would hum along to tunes um on pitch uh when she was only two years old and that she was quite a talent so she started to train her in in the in the theatrical productions that she held at her theater along with her older sisters it is also, unfortunately, during the same time when Judy was between the ages of five and seven years old when she was starring in these theater productions, um, that her mother also started giving her pills. So this is quite an early start on getting someone on drugs, and a lot of studies will tell you that the earlier you start doing drugs, the more likely you are to become addicted. So her mother would give her amphetamines. Um, at the time, just as like a scientific side note, um, amphetamines, it was, how can I explain this? So it's kind of like the modern day Adderall. That's an amphetamine. Uh, I mean, you can think of it like a methamphetamine, but during this time, you could just walk into a store and buy amphetamines, and it was called Benzedrine. Uh, you could smoke it, you could take it in a pill, whatever, but it was essentially like a hyper version of today's Adderall. Um, so this would keep her energetic during the day and during her performances on set, um, and then her mother would later follow it at night with sleeping pills to get her to calm down and go to sleep which started a vicious cycle of ups and downs for Judy that pretty much last her entire life. So, very sad. 
and um, I will speak more on this in a bit. So, the trio of sisters began calling themselves the Gum Sisters, and they starred in some short films starting in 1929 when Judy was only seven years old. So, they were literally going from the theater to movies, like short films. Um, so, um, it wasn't long before the sisters were spotted by MGM. Y'all know MGM, you know, they got the lion and shit. So, I think that was the first time I cursed in this episode. Oh my, Lanta. <laughs> I guess I'll have to swear an extra few times. I don't know. Okay, okay, never mind. Moving along. So, once they were spotted by MGM, the rest is um, history. <laughs> or herstory. <laughs> So it was here that they were advised to start calling themselves something a little more alluring to an audience than gum. So uh, one night when they were on stage during tour, the whole audience actually laughed when they were about to come on stage. So they changed their name to Garland. Although the true origin of this is highly speculated. Uh, there's one suggestion that their manager said that they were as pretty as a garland of flowers. Uh, there's another one that uh, it was like named after a playwright or a composer. So, I don't know. No one knows. No one will probably ever for sure know where that came from. But anyway, so... In 1935, um, an MGM scout secretly, um, well, he was there for MGM, but he went to a sister's, went to the sister's performing, um, in LA. Um, so basically like MGM told him to go do this, but they didn't like inform Judy or any of the other girls or their family that that was happening. Um, so, um, the next day, they called her for a totally impromptu audition, but just Judy, even though the performance was of all three. Uh, one of her sisters was about to get married, uh, so the group was about to break up, so um, they just wanted Judy. Judy had turned 13 earlier that year, and um, after her audition, which she sang a song called Zing with the Strings of My Heart, um, she uh, was instantly signed to MGM, which they didn't even do a screen test on her. A screen test is basically like back in the day, like you would film someone like doing an audition to make sure that they actually looked good on camera. Um, they didn't do that. Like she literally like was just signed that day. Um, but there's a lot of contradictory information about like why they even signed her in the first place because she wasn't a child, so she couldn't play children on screen. And she also wasn't old enough to be, like, the leading lady in anything. So they didn't really know what to do with her, but they knew that they had her, and they knew that she could sing. So I do kind of want to explain this. So this isn't really that common but um, now, but back in the day, production companies were a lot more similar to, uh, like, record contracts, I guess you could say. Like, production companies would buy actors with their contracts, basically. Um, so... If MGM had a contract with actor X uh, for so many movies, um, he, she could not film a movie with any other company, say like Warner Brothers, uh, without their permission. Does that make sense? So 
Like literally MGM owned her. Like she was literally owned by MGM. They owned everything about her. They owned her image. They owned everything. So this does still happen, but you don't really hear a lot about it. Um, you don't really hear about actors being suspended or production companies borrowing actors from other production companies, um, which is like an interesting concept, but you know. So it was amidst all this contract business actually that uh, like literally Judy's father passed away from meningitis in November. So this was two months after she'd been signed by MGM. So this crushed Judy. Um, absolutely crushed her. But because she just signed a contract, she had to keep making movies. Because uh, so, she had to fulfill her contract. And she was also kind of subject to her mother living vicariously through her. So, not fun. Not fun. So, after starring in several films with Mickey Rooney, um, so, where she was actually featured singing, Zing Went the Strings with My Heart, um, she was cast in The Wizard of Oz. So, in 1938, when she was 16 years old, she was cast as Dorothy Gale um, in the movie that would literally become iconic. Like, The Wizard of Oz is iconic. So, um, however, though, she kind of got this part by accident. Um, they wanted two other actresses. I can't remember who the first actress was that they wanted, or rather the second actress, but the first actress they wanted was Shirley Temple. Um, but she was owned by 20th Century Fox, um, and they would not allow MGM to borrow her. Um, so then, uh, Dorothy was their third choice, and she was who they got. Um, however, her performance was great, and she actually ended up winning a juvenile Oscar Award, uh, which is an award that's only been awarded, I think, like 12 times in the in history. I think it's retired, actually, but, um, so it's pretty fucking wild that, like, she got that. But anyway, so, um, the movie cost $2 million, which I actually, I looked up how much that is. Like, so, production was $2 million, and that's a whopping $36.5 million in 2020 dollars. So, um, it didn't turn a profit until the 1940s either having like having to be like replayed in cinemas all over the world um because i also spent an extra two million on marketing and advertising for the movie so um two million to create it and two million to sell it so four million so grand total of about 75 million dollars <laughs> in 2020 dollars oh that sounds terrible okay anyway so um like I said MGM was really unsure what to do with her because she was just a teenager um so the her dress her little um her little blue dress from the Wizard of Oz was chosen because it made her look like a child um so um, they did that, and so they put caps on her teeth to make them more perfect. They put little rubber discs on her nose uh, so that it would be more appealing. Um, and then they also started controlling every other aspect of her life. For, so, for example, um, they for lunch, no matter what she asked for, they would only bring her a plate of plain lettuce and a bowl of soup. Um, and they encouraged her to chain smoke to keep her from being hungry because nicotine will keep you from being hungry. And that sucks. Like she was literally 16 years old during the production of this movie. 
So, um, it's unfortunate and it makes me upset, but I won't get into that yet because there's even more upsetting material. <laughs> so, amidst all this, all of the sadness and chain smoking and eating lettuce and sadness, um, Judy and a lot of other actors um, were prescribed amphetamines by studio doctors. Okay, by MGM Studio Doctors, and I'm not making this shit up. Okay, this kept them awake for shooting, and then they would prescribe them barbiturates to keep them asleep at night. So they were literally shooting um, from, especially The Wizard of Oz, they would have to get up at 5 a.m. to be at makeup at 6 a.m., and then it would take them two hours for them to get their makeup on and then their costume on, and then they would finally start filming at 8 a.m. And then they would shoot until 6, 7 o'clock at night. And then they take their barbiturates. And this is children. So this kept up for the rest of Judy's teenage years. So she would take the amphetamines, work on set for eight hours a day, remember all her lines. Apparently she was very easy to direct because she would do every single thing that the director asked her to do. Um, But then they would give her... Um, and then she would go take her barbiturates at night. So then, but by the time she reached her early twenties, um, about 1947 or so, so she was 25, um, she would be so exhausted after working for only five hours, they would have to give her a sleeping pill for a nap. And then they would only let her nap for half an hour. And then they would give her another Benzedrine, an amphetamine, to get her back up. So as this continued for years, Judy's tolerance for both the drugs um, were extremely high. And eventually she was addicted. And addiction. That's serious. Like she was addicted to these pills that people gave her so that she could work her ass off. A lot of people apologize for MGM. Especially a lot of like baby boomer era individuals. Um, people who knew her at the time or people who were her friends or her neighbors and such, they have all come out and said, well, it wasn't MGM's fault. It wasn't her mother's fault. It wasn't this. It wasn't so-and-so's fault. And that it was Judy's fault. So I do want to say that mental illness, which addiction is a mental illness, is not your fault, but it is your responsibility. So that is where the confusion is coming from because it's not her fault that her mom was giving her amphetamines and and barbiturates when she was like seven years old. Like it's not her fault that studio doctors were prescribing her medication and that she took it because she thought that she was supposed to because those are doctors and it was her job and she was literally paid to do that. So that's bullshit. Like it's just, it's bullshit. It's her fault that she was addicted. She can own the later parts in her life when she went to go get clean. And then she did get clean, but then slowly went back to the drugs. Um, whatever. that You can put that on her as much as you want to. Probably the era, though, also. Um, I sh- probably shouldn't be clouding history with my opinions like this. <laughs> but they were giving this child lettuce and had- making her fuck smoke cigarettes so that she wouldn't gain weight. Fucking hell, man. Anyway, 
so not only did she not really have a childhood, by the time she was in her 20s, she didn't really have any real gas, grasp of her own life. So I mentioned earlier the part about her teeth and the dicks, discs, the dicks, <laughs> the dicks on her nose, <laughs> the discs on her nose to make it appear like prettier or whatever. So this also like, I'm sorry, I'm not done ranting. <laughs> Uh, this is a 15, 16 year old girl. So think of yourself at that age. I know I can think of myself at this age. And I was insecure. I thought I was fat. I thought that people hated me. I was afraid to speak out. I was afraid of a lot of things, okay? Imagine being that way, which a lot of people are. Some people aren't, whatever, but I mean, some people are. So think of that happening to you think of but then think of all this other stuff on top of it okay because all the focus on her weight when she wasn't fat and on her appearance when she was cute uh was really terrible for judy's self-esteem she was constantly asking for reassurance like constantly 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 am i pretty do you really think i'm pretty am i really pretty am i actually good at singing am i really talented am i actually a good actress am i a good dancer can i do these things this was her reality. She was extremely insecure and constantly hyped up on pills during the day, which makes you extremely anxious and paranoid. And she thought that the world was just going to cave in on top of her. And MGM literally owned her reminder. She was literally their property. She was their creative property. So Judy kind of, she wanted people to stop telling her what to do. So 1941, after a couple affairs, some little romances, 19-year-old Judy married her first husband of five, David Rose, who was a composer and a musician. He was 31 years old. Um, Later that year, Judy became pregnant, actually, for the first time. But the studio and her mother agreed that this should not be the case. And MGM straight up just said, we're not going to allow you to have this child. So she was forced to have an abortion. She was forced to have an abortion. I'll just say that again. I'll say it a third time. She was forced to have an abortion. So then, of course, her and David Rose got divorced. Uh, Judy actually got pregnant again through an affair with uh, singer Tyrone Power. And the same thing happened. They forced her to have an abortion. So, Judy was really sad, of course, about these losses in her personal life. Um, But then in 1944, Judy starred in one of the most popular MGM films to be made during the time, Meet Me in St. Louis, uh, which is a story that follows a family, the Smith family, uh, through the 1904 World's Fair. And this is also where she meets her second husband, Vincent Minnelli. As he was the director. <laughs> so in 1945, uh, they got married. And then their their daughter, Liza Minnelli, was born the following year. Um, you probably know Liza Minnelli. You may not think so. If you ever watched Arrested Development, she's Lucille too. <laughs> she's also in the movie Cabaret. Um, she's, she did all kinds of Broadway. And she was an actress. And she, she's, she does all kinds of stuff. But... Um, but anyway, so um, Vincent Minnelli and Judy Garland got divorced in 1941. Um, 
it was rumored. I don't think it's ever been confirmed. I couldn't find anything that said it was confirmed, but it was always rumored that Vincent Minnelli was bisexual. Um, and Judy Garland is a gay icon. I don't know if you knew that, but she's a gay icon. And this is kind of where that typecast kind of comes from, um, is because she has always had tons of gay friends. A lot of, well, I can think a couple of her husbands were rumored to have boyfriends. Vincent was one of them. Um, and her father was rumored to have boyfriends. So, you know, but anyway, everyone can have as many boyfriends as they want to. Anyway, so, um, the next few films that Judy started filming for MGM did not go as well as the past few. So, um, in 1947, Judy had a nervous breakdown on the set of a movie called The Pirate, which I've never fucking heard of that movie. (laughs) But anyway, so she was hospitalized for a couple weeks and this delayed production caused the production costs to go up and the film did not profit. So then the next film she made was Easter Parade, which I've also never fucking heard of that movie. If you have, please let me know. Um, She co-starred with Fred Astaire and this was actually her most profitable film. So MGM was like, okay, maybe Judy's back. Okay, well, um, okay. So it made them pretty thirsty for some more of that Judy Garland. Um, But it was actually all downhill for Judy and MGM uh, from here on out. So she started drinking more. She started taking sleeping pills that contained morphine. Uh, She was constantly showing up late for shooting. Um, And this caused her to be suspended from the film that she was working on. Um, I can't remember what that film was, but, uh, she was replaced with someone else. And so then once that film was done, they called her back and, um, she made a film, but it kind of went back and forth where she made a film and then she got suspended again. And, uh, her production activity became really spotty and she was, uh, suspended twice total, but then they completely, MGM completely released her and parted ways with her in 1950. And at this point, Judy was, like, hemorrhaging money. She, like, didn't really have that much money because some of the films she made flopped. Um, She owed a lot of back taxes. She was, her money was being severely mismanaged um, by her husband, her third husband, and turned manager, Sidney Luft. So. Anyway, Sidney Luft. He was a producer. Um, They had two more kids, but he was fucking awful with her money. Um, So they divorced um, not that long. Hold on. When did they get divorced? I forgot. They got divorced in 1965. So they were married for like 13 years. They did have two kids, um, Joey and Lorna Luft. Um, But they did get divorced. Um, Judy had actually filed for divorce like two or three times before this time. But then this time it actually happened. So... Um, so then Judy is, anyway, she's still married to Sydney Luft at this point, so, um, but she has no job. She was dropped by her production company, so she was like, well, what do I do now? So she started touring the United States and Europe and Australia, holding concerts where she performed her biggest hits, brought back a little vaudeville comedy for the audience, and just generally entertained, and actually... She did very well. Like, she was very... She had a lot of stardom in terms of, like, people actually went to go see her. Um, And so then in the 50s, like, uh, 54, she actually started appearing in Warner Brothers films. So then... um, 
See you later, MGM. We over at Warner Brothers. What's up, Doc? Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, and um, so she's actually sto- starred in uh, A Star is Born. <laughs> Which you may know the, uh, what year is that, 2019 version with Lady Gaga in it? Same movie, but 1954 with Judy Garland, which it was already a remake of a 1937 film. So I don't actually, I probably should have looked that up. I don't know how many times that movie's been remade. But anyway, so um, the movie was popular, but it didn't really profit like they wanted to. And the thing is, like the ironic thing about this is a lot of these movies, like not profiting, well, like... I shouldn't say a lot because uh, the pirate not profiting was kind of her fault because she was, like, not on set. Or, like, people could blame her for that. But, like, The Wizard of Oz costing a lot was not her fault. That shit was just fucking technicolor, bro. That shit was expensive. Uh, And then this thing, it actually was the producers of the film that fucked it up, and it wasn't her. So, like, it wasn't her fault. So, literally, she's losing money. Like, she's getting jobs, and she's losing money. So, she's broke. She's just as broke as you and me. But anyway, so, um, then, so she, anyway, so she did that. She, she toured, and then she did the movies for, uh, Warner Brothers, and she did that for, like, the rest of the 50s and then the early 60s, too. Um, but then she also started appearing on television specials in 1955. So, um, so she, um, she participated in a lot of television broadcasts, um, and she was a get, uh, like a guest star in a lot of different things. Um, so, um, but then she also started her, she had a concert appearance, um, in 1961, uh, which was very significant after touring and, um, dealing with her addictions, of course, which are still happening this entire time. Um, she performed at Carnegie Hall. And she actually, the it was recorded, and she won a Grammy for it. So that's pretty cool. Uh, she did win a Grammy. Um, actually, sorry, four Grammys. So it wasn't just one Grammy. Um, and then in the same year, uh, she started the Judy Garland Show. So uh, that was a, uh, it was on CBS. Um, and it was originally just a special uh, with Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin. Um, but it was extremely successful. So, um, they decided to, like, have it be a regular series. Um, but it didn't profit. She ended up owing several hundred thousand dollars in taxes. So, this didn't really help her. And the show was canceled. So, (sighs) sad. It's sad. So, by 63, her and Luft were divorcing. Um, she started touring again. She appeared on the Ed Sullivan show. She appeared on the Tonight Show. Um, and then, da, 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 in 1965, she married Mark Heron, who at the time was her tour manager. And when they married, they were, she was still legally married to Sydney Left. Um, and they got married in a, in a ship off the coast of Hong Kong. Um, and then six months later they married for real, but then six months after that they got divorced. So, um, so yeah, anyway, and then, um, by this time, Judy was in dire 
financial straits. So she had to sell her house, actually way below the value. Um, she was trying to get back on stage. It wasn't totally going well for her. She had a tour in um, Australia that just, she bombed. Like, she bombed the last couple. Uh, well, she did well in the first two, but then she bombed the rest. Um, so then uh, tax agents, like, she would literally, like, do, like, a show. Um, um, like, she, I think she made some money doing a final row of, a, of, like, a theater show. And the IRS seized all the money. Like, they literally were waiting at the closing, at waiting at the closing night of the theater performance and, like, took her money. Um, and so then, um, she then started touring Europe. And so then, 1969, um, she started touring Europe, uh, nightclubs. She was making 2,500 pounds a week. Um, and then she made her final concert appearance in Copenhagen in March of 1969. The month before, um, she did marry her fifth and final husband, nightclub manager Mickey Deans. Um, so she married him. He lived in London. Um, and so then, unfortunately, on June 22nd, 1969, um, he found her, he found Judy dead in the bathroom of their house. And she was 47 years old. Puck, this isn't about you. Sorry, this is my cat. This is not the time. Anyway, so it was ruled accidental um, based on a couple different things. Um, but her her blood contained the... So her blood contained the equivalent of 1097 milligram capsules of barbiturates, which is insane. Um, but they were basically able to figure out it wasn't all taken at once. Um it was taken over like a period of like so many hours and that also proved it wasn't a suicide but what what even more proved it wasn't a suicide was that there were still like pills in bottles and it wasn't like she took all of them at the same time so um this is extremely heartbreaking she was 47 years old she was a tremendous talent so um it sucks and she was extremely talented, and she was beautiful, and she was all these things. And she was, like, the thing about it was, is that she was natural about it. Like, she never received any real vocal training. Um, she just was kind of all, like, natural about it. And her vo- part of why she was so popular was that, like, it was like a little girl, but, like, with the voice of a woman. And she, I kind of touched on this earlier, but she was a contralto, which is the um, lowest vocal range for a woman. Um, it's kind of similar to, like, a mezzo-soprano. Um, but it, it, it was, it's like a lower voice. Um, however, like, she didn't really have that many octaves that she could stretch in terms of her vocal range. Um, but she was able to switch timbers pretty quickly. So if you listen to pretty much any of her music, even when she's a child, like, she... Even as, and I'm someone who has studied music, like, she is someone who is constantly, like, you can listen to her and you never hear her make a pitch mistake. Um, But she really was just a natural talent. So, um, there's so much that 
she did and that she accomplished and that she could have accomplished, but she didn't get to. So, um, that was my shoddy rendition of Judy Garland's life. So, um, like I, like I usually say, like, do your own research, um, take some time to watch some YouTube videos, um, do whatever you want. I mean, just take, you know, take a look at it. And, um, I know that I'm going to be watching Meet Me in St. Louis because you know what? I don't think I've ever seen it. So I'm going to take some time to do that. Um, if you've never seen The Wizard of Oz, um, I would suggest that. I mean, it's an amazing movie. Um, raise your kids on that shit. I'm telling you. Anyway, um, that is all. I did also want to do, um, a little sneak peek of some future episodes. Um, I am not sure what I'm going to do next week. Um, but I, um, I do believe that, uh, the episode after that will be Marie Antoinette. Um, and if anyone out there would like to help me with a theme song for my podcast, that would be awesome. Um, I'm bad at technology and I don't know anything about, um, I don't know anything about that stuff. I don't know anything about technology. Um, so, um, if, if you have any ideas, let me know. Um, also, I'm always welcome to questions, suggestions, feedback, concerns, corrections, whatever. I don't care. Please reach out to me. You can follow me on Instagram at Coolidge 622 And again, my name is Lil Shanna. History has a size on you. Get them. Go get them. <laughs>